Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps young girls and women to reclaim their health, step into their power, and find food and fitness freedom for life. Today, I'm here with Abby Pausland, who is a senior in high school heading to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut to study nursing. She loves the outdoors, she's adventurous, and she's also been enrolled in our accelerator program for three months. We are so proud of her growth, and as she graduates into the mastery level of our course, we want to make sure that she tells her story to the world so that she can go on to live her life and have a positive influence on everybody who's listening who is struggling and maybe thinks that healing is not possible. So I just want to give a quick disclaimer. At Empowered Rx, we are not doctors. We are not therapists. We are survivors and mentors who are helping our peers through the journey. We believe in digging into the real stuff. So if you are early in recovery or sensitive to recovery, we would have you pause this episode and maybe check out one of our earlier ones that is not a survivor story. So I'm going to hand this off to Abby because this is her story. Abby, thank you so much for being here. Um, Why don't you go ahead and begin with your story? Okay. So so I guess my story began with, body image issues in about like seventh or eighth grade. Um, I felt like I stopped growing, but all my friends still like kept growing taller. And I just felt like I just got bigger and stayed the same height, whereas they were like getting tall and I felt like they were getting thinner too. And it just, I, I just felt really uncomfortable in my own body. And I, I never really realized like how bad it was until like looking back at it. Um, The summer was always a challenge for me, especially like people wearing bikinis. And I think like in middle school, that was when I like felt the most uncomfortable. I just, I don't know. I always felt like I was comparing my body to my friends. Mm. And that's so common. The, The first age that we start to see dieting is like age nine or 10. But the average girl has tried a diet or has body image issues by the age of 12. So that lines up right with that seventh to eighth grade struggle that you're talking about. Uh, puberty is also a time of, you know, physiological, mental, emotional changes. And if we feel like we stick out, it can make us feel like an outsider and diet culture already does that a little bit. Um, why don't you talk about the time that it turned into an eating disorder from the body image issues? When did it morph and how did that happen? So I, it's all kind of disconnected. So I think that started like my deeper rooted body image issues and like lower self-esteem. And I kind of always had that, but it wasn't until like quarantine happened when I actually had like the time and access to social media all the time to see like people were 
like glamorizing diet culture and like losing weight. And I don't know, I just thought that that was like something normal people did at my age. And so that's when I started to, I think I started to restrict during like the summer of 2020 during COVID. But I, I think like my body got scared a little bit and was like, oh, this isn't healthy. So then I would like end up compensating for it and like binging later in the day. And I wasn't consistent with exercise, so nothing really happened. I just had, like, a really, like, skewed, like, eating schedule, and yeah. Okay. So what Abby is describing here is maybe the gray area of disordered eating where we might not fit into one of those categories that the the DSM tries to categorize us with. So you had a mixture of different disordered eating patterns, right? It wasn't a full-blown restriction streak yet. It was kind of that binge restrict cycle that you were stuck in. Um, We know that in quarantine, eating disorders actually increased by 300%, right? So we were seeing a lot of our teenage girls at home, isolated, maybe on the computer for school, looking at themselves on Zoom all day, and then being exposed to social media you know, much, much more than they would be if they had been physically at school. So what was it on social media, either Instagram or TikTok that really, really got to you? Um, well, I got a lot of like what I eat in a day videos and those were really like bad for my restrict cycle because like I saw people eating like little amounts in a day and I was like, whoa, I eat so much. Like I need to eat what they eat to look like they do. Mm. And so I started copying them and like, that wasn't what my body needed. And like once online school started that fall, that's when I was like, I need to, I thought I should follow what they were doing specifically. And I over-exercised too. Okay. Talk to me a little bit, and again, this is a trigger warning because we are going to talk a little bit in detail about this stuff. We're all about keeping it real. Um, talk to me a little bit about the overexercise and the restriction as it increased. What did what did a day in the life of Abby look like when things got really bad? Um, so I definitely used online school as like a way to have structure, and like every single day was the same. I would wake up before school started and exercise every single morning, even when like the workout like program I was following, like had rest days. I made sure I like went for a walk or went for a run or did like, I just felt like I needed to do something. And then I, that was when I started tracking everything I ate on an app. And that is something like I was always ashamed for doing like all throughout, even like later in my eating disorder, I denied using an app to track my calories because I, I just felt so ashamed for using it. So yeah, denial is a super, super common emotion. And I I think avoidance is the action there. So denial is the, the feeling avoidance is the way that it results in action. And so we see a lot of people who don't want to admit the behaviors or they are almost in denial. They don't realize how detrimental they are to their health. We, we see like, um, concerns 
of overexercise and concerns of healthy eating. And then those become really rigid and then those become obsessive and it almost becomes compulsive and it can become a problem really, really quickly for our health. So tell me a little bit about how, when you kind of got to your worst, how did that affect your health? So I, I didn't get to my worst. I don't think until like that next summer. So it's been a while. So I felt cold all the time and I got cold like really easily. I don't know. I felt like my skin was paler and I felt like I had like darker circles under my eyes. And I, I didn't notice any of these things like while it was happening really until like I've looked back at pictures and noticed, um, the main reason I got diagnosed for my eating disorder was I lost my period for over a year. Mm. Um, and I also noticed that when my fingers got cold, they would turn completely white and numb. Oh my gosh. Which, terrifying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, the, the changes that Abby is talking about, they are common with disorder eating, especially when the body has been deprived for a long period of time, our brain chemistry completely changes and it rewires us to have an aversion to food. Essentially, we become scared of food and we become scared of change. Talk to us about maybe, you know, the thoughts that were going through your head. Yeah. So after like I restricted a lot during like online school, but like once I had my physical with my doctor and that was kind of like a turning point for me because I was like, oh, shoot, I think I do have something wrong with me. Like, this isn't healthy for me to be tracking everything. I shouldn't be exercising this much. So I actually started to cut back on the exercising and I stopped tracking. But it was already like the damage was already done. I felt like my brain like still counted calories, like everything I ate. And I like I couldn't eat more even when I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then like, I didn't want to exercise, but I still felt like I had to it like for almost a year after that, like it, it was all compulsive, even though like I didn't want to anymore. So yeah. Yeah. The eating disorder takes over, it takes over completely. And we almost feel like a prisoner to it. Um, one of the things that people don't understand is that they think that people don't like to eat with disordered eating. I know Abby and I are both foodies we love food. We love trying new things. So for us to sit down in front of maybe a delicious meal and have the message or the impulse that we cannot eat, it's terrifying because that's such cognitive dissonance. We love to eat food and yet we will not do it because eating is too much of a distress. It's a distressing action for us. And so we can feel really misunderstood and people will say, well, why don't you just eat? If you wanted to eat, you could just eat drove me nuts that people would say that absolutely bonkers. And the other thing that didn't help. And I know you got this too, is that people started commenting on my body when I would restrict and when I would exercise a lot, they'd say, Oh, you look so good. What are you doing to get in such good shape? And so there was that positive reinforcement. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like when I got back to school, like all my friends had like noticed that I'd lost weight. I haven't seen them in forever and so like people didn't know what was going on at all they're like abby you look so fit like what did you do what's your workout routine 
Um, I wish I looked like you. Um, the worst one was Abby, you look so healthy because that was when I knew that like what I was doing was kind of miserable and that I didn't like that. But it just kind of like made my eating disorder be like, no, you are doing the right thing. Like this is good. So then like, it just, it made me feel good about what I was doing rather than like have like me, like Abby fight back against the eating disorder on my own. It was just like positive reinforcement for the oh, eating disorder. Totally, totally. I can relate to that so much. And the other thing that is really difficult is that the common personality traits of people who struggle with disordered eating are perfectionism, anxiety, and low self-esteem. And so that triad of personality traits ends up being the perfect storm for the eating disorder. It allows it to creep in and then completely take over our life because we want to be perfect at the eating disorder. We have anxiety over the food and our low self-esteem makes us think we need to continuously change. Exercise for me was definitely a source of control. And I know you also found exercise to be a coping mechanism. Um, I know that I would purposely move throughout the entire day and go on long runs and all this stuff. Talk to us a little bit about what your exercise relationship felt like. Um, it felt like I just felt trapped and I thought it was healthy because, because there's a lot of like information going around, like during quarantine that like, Oh, you need to get out, go outside, go do something, move your body because we're all sitting inside mm. all the time on zoom. I was like, Oh, this is so healthy, but I was definitely going way over the top and once like quarantine kind of ended and we all like came back to school and like the summer of 2021, I like, I had two jobs going on at the same time. I would still wake up early in the morning to exercise. And then on the weekends, like when I should be sleeping in, I actually couldn't sleep in because my body was like, you need to wake up and exercise or just do something. So like, I would go for a hike with my sister. I would go for a bike ride. Like anything I could do. And then if I couldn't exercise, it made me feel like awful. And it like, it didn't even, I still restricted even when I did exercise, but it just made me feel way worse mm. about what I was eating to not exercise too. My heart aches. Cause I can relate to that so much. Uh, over exercise was like one of my main coping mechanisms. And I felt totally out of control without the ability to move my body in the way that I wanted to. So I'm so sorry you went through that. And I know that this struggle lasted for a couple of years and it really took a toll on your body. You were mentioning that you were pale, had dark circles under your eyes, lost like um, lost blood flow to your fingers. Uh, let's talk about some other symptoms that you had because some of our listeners, um, these are maybe ones that we don't think of, right? All the time. So I know like I didn't sweat. I was always cold. Um, I would fall asleep quickly, but then wake up in the middle of the night. Like, tell me about your physical symptoms. Yeah. So I actually didn't sweat either. And I was like, wow, this is like magical. It's like, yes, it must be because I'm exercising so much. My body just doesn't have to work so hard anymore. <laughs> I thought it was like a positive symptom, yeah. you know? Yes. Um, and then, oh, I also like I could fall asleep easily like I couldn't stay awake for a movie but that was like so unlike me because I always like watching movies growing up like I never fell asleep watching them and now like within the first 20 minutes I was like out cold but then again like I 
could not sleep in past like 6.30. Like my body woke up in the morning every single day early. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know when I did your initial intake, you talked about a couple other symptoms that I do want to bring up because they're really, really important. So Abby also struggled with kind of like looking a little bit pale and yellow, a uh, yellow tone to her skin. Um, she was too exhausted to make plans with friends. She had a low resting heart rate, low in thirties, high thirties. She had orthostatic hypotension, which means when she changed from like a sitting to standing or a lying to sitting position, she'd get lightheaded and her blood pressure would drop. She had constipation and bloating. She lost her period. She was always cold. She had Raynaud's disease. And we have to remember that this long of restriction and once we lose our period, we start to see bone mineral density loss. So you are starting to see the long-term impact of your body basically falling apart, right? Yeah. Was it scary? Um, no, because I don't know. I felt like I sort of noticed a symptom and then I was like, oh, there's another explanation for it. Mm. So my mind, like, I don't know, it just like kind of explained it in a way that wasn't scary. The thing that was scary to me was like last summer, I remember like seeing myself in the mirror and like trying on like bathing suits that I just bought and like they didn't even fit anymore. Like they would fall off. Mm. And I was like sad that I was so like thin, but I still couldn't bring myself to eat more. And I like, I don't know, I saw myself and I was like, I look sick, but then people would tell me I looked healthy and like fit. And so, I don't know, I felt like I was sick but I also couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to eat more, like despite seeing that. So like the eating disorder had like literally full control. Yeah. So what Abby is talking about, the emotional aspect of the disease is um, there's a progression. And in the beginning, we go from feeling really uncomfortable and out of control with body image struggles. We don't like our body. We don't like our environment. Maybe we're struggling with some other things in school or social life or whatever. And we find the eating disorder and it serves a purpose for some time, right? It takes the distraction away from whatever other pain we are in. We start to see results and it, it makes us happy. It makes us excited. Our brain literally has a reward system processing uh, habit basically of, wow, see results, get reinforcement, see results, get reinforcement. But once it turns compulsive is when we really, 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 and it will turn compulsive, right? I will say this for those of you who say, yeah, but I'll keep it in control. You will not. It turns compulsive. You cannot control that. You do not get a say in it. Once your eating disorder sneaks in, it will take full control unless we get help. And once we get compulsive, we're going to feel so alone. We're going to self-sabotage all the time. And like you said, when we want to stop, we won't be able to. So tell me a little bit about once everything turned compulsive and the eating disorder had full control, it probably felt like a battle and a war inside. Tell us what that war was like. What did you, what did you lose? Um, I definitely felt like I did things to like the people I love that I didn't, like I would never do. Like I would lie. My mom's like, oh, did you have like a snack before? And like, I would just say yes, but obviously I wouldn't have like it just, it just became so easy to lie about food that I was eating. Um, also, I felt like if I wasn't like saying I was having trouble, like 
I couldn't reach out for help because my eating disorder was like, you don't need help. Mm. I don't know. I just felt like diet culture is glamorized so much that like losing weight is always shown like, oh, that's so healthy of you to lose weight. But sometimes like the way you do it is not healthy. And I always had like a vision in my head that like people with eating disorders are like skeletons and like, I don't know. I just thought they were like, so like my brain viewed them as like another like creature that I was like, Oh, that can't, that can't be me. Like I can't have an eating disorder. And I don't know. It was just a trick, I think. So I don't know. There was always a battle. I felt like if I wanted help to like eat something, like I was like, Oh, I should say something. And then it was like, no, I just kept going back and forth. So yeah, so what Abby is talking about is this this almost like hierarchy of eating disorders. Um, we see things like restriction, weight loss, glamorized in diet culture so much that anorexia becomes this illusory, almost unreachable, uh, untouchable kind of glamorized eating disorder. And all the other eating disorder behaviors do not get talked about enough. So there's this major stigma. We never think we're fit enough. We never think we're good enough. And society has kind of reinforced that belief. So we will always look at other people when we have an eating disorder and say, oh, that person has a is doing better at the eating disorder than I am, basically. And it really brings out our competitive mindset. And I know, Abby, you are a competitive girl. Talk to me about the competitive mindset. Um, I know like after getting help in recovery, like I've still struggled with like validating my eating disorder. Like, I don't know, just like hearing other people's stories. I'm like, wow, I was never that bad. Like I couldn't have been like, I don't know. I just, I can't, even with all the symptoms I had, like, I still don't feel like it was a problem. I don't know. And Abby and I, in our sessions, we work on this a lot, is the facing reality of what we've gone through and understanding that having an eating disorder is a form of trauma because it totally disrupts our entire sense of self and well-being. And so Abby and I work really, really hard to get her to understand how valid her sickness was and to let her know we're so happy that she has found health. Now, tell us a little bit about, like, how did you start to separate the eating disorder voice from your own? Because I know once it hits compulsive level, we can't tell anymore what is real, what is not, whose voice is what. Tell us when that separation finally happened, what happened with treatment. Um, so I feel like, like a while back, I started to note, like when I started to note, realize that I was sick, I like knew that there was something wrong with me, but I just, I listened to the voice. Like, I feel like I knew it was not me like saying, don't eat that. But I listened because it made me feel comfortable and I felt so uncomfortable not listening to the voice. Mm -hmm. But then like starting recovery, it was like, okay, now you actually have to not listen to what the voice is telling you. So I feel like the almost the whole time, like during the eating disorder, I was separated, but I just chose to listen because that was what was easiest for me to do. 
I totally get that. It's like, it's easier. It's almost like the path of least resistance because the guilt and the shame that the eating disorder will make us feel if we don't comply is just too much to bear. Now, at some point when you went to the doctor and they saw you don't have a period and your doctor caught on, you were diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us what happened for treatment from there on out. So I was diagnosed on like December 20th. And so Christmas was coming. It was like vacation. It was probably like the worst time because I was like, great. I'm already struggling with like having to deal with all my family coming over and having all this food and like cookies around. So I don't know. After being diagnosed, I didn't have anything for like the first like few weeks, but then right away I got a dietitian and that helped a lot on like the food side of things and like adding more to my like meal plan and keeping me like accountable for eating all my meals. But it definitely didn't help like with any body image issues. So I did get a therapist, but she's not specialized in eating disorders it was very hard to find a a therapist and actually this therapist never actually worked out for me she I don't know she didn't make me feel better so um I stopped seeing her after like a couple months and I currently don't have a therapist still because we can't find an eating disorder therapist so yeah, it's really, so because eating disorders have increased 300%, the eating disorder specialists out there are just completely flooded um, with clients. And so there's a wait list, but it's a few people out there that actually special in eating disorders. So there's this huge disconnect and this gap in the health field that we need more people to help. So therapists out there who are listening please email me your contact information so that I can refer you if you are an eating disorder specialist, because I am not, I am a mentor. Um, We are so happy that Abby is in our program though. Our program focuses on everything else that the medical treatment does not. So we are not dietitians, we're not therapists, we're not doctors, but we help with the body image. We help with integrating exercise, developing a healthier relationship to food and how to cope and have, um, just life skills and confidence and all that stuff. So Abby joined us about three months ago. Abby, tell us how you got involved with Empowered. So I actually, my mom saw Megan's post on Facebook. um, And it was her telling her story in a blog post. And my mom's like, I think you should read this. And I used to know Megan from like elementary school. So I was like, oh my God. I know her. So I read her whole story and I was just like, this sounds like kind of familiar. Like what the group she was in sounded very interesting. And it just like at the time I didn't have, I just gotten rid of my therapist. So I was like, I need, I don't need a therapist, but I need someone who could just help with some of the body image things that I'm still going through. So I thought it was something perfect. Yeah. And you joined and you, she was all in from the very beginning. She was like, yep, I'm in. I want to recover. I want to get better. Tell us your experience with Empowered. Like what have you had happen with your eating disorder? How has it changed? How has have things gotten better? Have things gotten worse? Tell us all about what Empowered's done with your eating disorder. So I feel like Empowered really helps on like days that I feel like I have, like 
I don't know, some days are harder than others for me. Like the thoughts feel louder and I know I have to say no, but it's sometimes really hard. And a lot of my like family and friends don't understand, like they don't know the right words to say, but I can always reach out to the people and empowered and they usually know what to say because they're going through something similar. Yeah. Yeah. You're never alone. Community has been a big part of Abby's healing process and also taking risks and being okay with getting stronger and taking up space. Abby is a awesome weightlifter. Um, we've seen her just naturally kind of take to the sport. Abby, tell us about the way that weightlifting makes you feel, how you see yourself with it. How does it change your eating disorder? Um, well, unlike the exercise I was doing, like with the eating disorder, I actually feel like powerful doing this and it's yeah. not compulsive. Um, and like every time I come, I'm like, I need to eat my food. I need to eat more because I can't get stronger. I can't hit the goal that I want if I restrict today. So as a last resort, that's always like what my mind goes to. If like I'm struggling to eat on a certain day. So awesome. Yeah. So we see the shift happen when we start to learn more about our body and the possibilities and the strength and the power that we have, we start to see a shift. It becomes less about the weight on the scale and it starts to become about the weight on the barbell, which is pretty badass. Uh, we just saw Abby do, was it a 55 pounds split jerk last week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was awesome. And her form was amazing. So we love to see this and no matter where you're at, you can do weightlifting. We can check you virtually, or you can tune in virtually if you're not in our location. Um, Abby, tell us a little bit about like the group work in empowered and what that was like for you talking about it vulnerably in a group. Um, it was my first time going, I was so scared. I was like, what is going to happen? But like, I just felt like I was in such a safe space to share what was going on because everybody's so open and like if somebody says something that they can relate to, like they'll say, oh, I can relate to that too. And I don't know, I just feel like I could connect with people on like a deeper level and like I've been able to like make breakthroughs about like roots of my eating disorder through like the group session. So. Yeah. So I, so our adult group is friggin' awesome. Um, I look forward to it every single week. Cause I know that I'm going to walk into a room full of people who get it and I'm still struggling, right? Like I'm in recovery. So even I benefit from hearing everybody talk, right? So we're, we're all going through the same thing together, supporting each other. And when we hear each other put ourselves down, we get very defensive about that. Cause we love our peers in the program and we can't imagine how they would do that. And so there starts to be this mirroring that happens like, Oh man, if I'm going to say this to her, why can't I say it to myself? Um, so we'll see a lot of people start to develop a little bit more self-respect, a little bit more um, understanding and compassion for themselves. But then, yeah, we really dig into the root because typically eating disorders are not about food. Usually it is a maladaptive coping mechanism that helps distract or helps us cope with something deeper. So Abby, do you want to share a little bit about maybe the roots of your eating disorder? So we spend a lot of time digging up the root causes of our eating disorder or focusing on habit building. And <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about Abby. Um, she has a hard time with change and she has a hard time with perfectionism. And so 
I asked her, I said, let's start with something that is low risk to your eating disorder. Let's take that bed of yours that you obsessively make every morning. And I want you not to make your bed for a week. And she looked at me like deer in the headlights and was like, what? No, why? (laughs) But tell us what happened. So it was actually a lot harder than I thought too. It's like such a simple thing, but I don't know. I just feel like I can't focus if I don't make it. So I would make, I think I went like three days of it unmade. And then it was like a stressful day. I think I had like prom and I was like really stressed about that. And so I made my bed (laughs) and it just like made me feel better. But I was like, okay, I'll try this again. And I went another three days and I made it again. I was like, oh, um, but then I finally made it a whole week. And by the end of the week, I was like, well, I don't need to make it anymore. But I don't know. It does make me feel better to make it, but I don't think it's a compulsive thing anymore. Okay, so we changed a small compulsion that really was low risk. Her life was not going to change for better or worse by making or not making her bed. Um, whereas compulsive behavior with an eating disorder can be really harmful. So talk to us about, you know, after we did that, we ramped up. <laughs> the risk taking a little bit. And then we applied that whole idea um, with her eating disorder. So what did we do to do that? Do you remember? So, okay. So we started to ramp up um, the risk exposure. We went from making the bed, which was low risk, to integrating eating disorder behavior and refraining from that, even though it made us anxious. And so Abby was naturally, you know, coming to the end of her school year. She was graduating. There were all these unplanned social events and meals with friends. We also went out to celebrate for dinner with Empowered. And Abby would typically want to control her food, avoid a situation, only allow herself one treat in the day. And we said, you know what? You need to live your life. Just like you can go three days without making the bed, you can go to all of these things in one day and indulge in the food. And I remember that day because you came to one eye jacks with us in the evening and you had already had, I think it was a social barbecue or ice cream thing and then breakfast. Like, tell us all about that experience because I know it was really hard. Yeah. So that day was the day after my last day of school. So they had like senior barbecue outside and I was definitely worried about that whole event because like I knew they were going to have hamburgers and hot dogs, but I don't know, just like eating in front of people. Like, I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable with that all the time. Um, And so I just felt like that was a stressful situation. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go out with the empowered girls. But I think Meg reached out to me and was like, hey, are you coming tonight? I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go. She's like, there's no pressure. You don't have to get anything that's going to really stress you out. You can eat before and just come and like hang out. So like the fact that there was no pressure and just go there for like an exposure was really helpful. So. That was, yeah, that was awesome. I remember being so proud of you that day. And and I can be a little tough. I give a little tough love sometimes. I'm like, come on, we're going to do this. Um, but sometimes we need a little nudge, right? So um, overall, Abby has sh- like shown huge growth. We've reframed a lot of different eating disorder thoughts and she's heading to college in the fall. Talk to me a little bit about the preparation for college and what your plans are and all that stuff. So I was originally like at the end of high school, I was definitely scared. Like, uh Oh, am I going to be able to hold myself accountable when I'm away at school? But like, I've talked with my dietitian and 
she's like, I'm not just going to like stop seeing you. So like, we'll still have that. So I should be consistent with my food. But I've always been worried about like having like a roommate that has disordered eating or like being around it and getting triggered like in the dining hall. Like, what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've had some exposure like just this summer being triggered and I've still like come out the other end, like doing what I need to do. So exactly. And even if you graduate from the empowered program, that doesn't mean you can't just maintain your membership in a different way and still get that group support. Right. So there's all these different levels of our membership that you can engage in. Should you decide, uh, I really need the social support of being able to vent to these people about what's going on around me. Cause I feel like I'm going crazy. College campuses, unfortunately are filled with disordered eating and people with habits and stuff. So that exposure could be potentially hard, but I know you have the skills to move forward and tackle it. And I'm so excited to see where your future takes you. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story. I know it's going to help a lot of our listeners. If you had one word of advice or a tip or anything to give those who are just starting recovery, what would that be? Um, just like think about, I know that eating disorder makes you think about like the moment and like what's best, like what you think is best for you today and tomorrow like in the big picture, like, do you really want to be like this the rest of your life? Like think of your future because I don't want to be living with my eating disorder for the rest of my life. So absolutely. That's great. Great advice there, Abby. Um, so guys, if you want to hear more about Abby, um, you can go ahead on our website. We'll have this in a little write-up as well. And yeah, Abby's awesome. We love having in our community. And if your story resonated, um, sorry, if Abby's story resonated with you, you can go ahead and either reach out to Empowered RX, um, or you can look at our website, see the resources. We've got a bunch of free goodies on there just to get you started. No pressures, but our goal is to help change the status quo and how disordered eating is treated and to also help hundreds of women around the world to not feel bad about themselves anymore. That's my life mission. And uh, we're so glad that Abby is a part of it. So Abby, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered RX. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at EmpoweredRx or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the EmpoweredRx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.